Hey everyone, welcome back to Handing the Shame Back. I'm your host, Gloria Masters, and today it's uh, my pleasure again to um, have in front of you Todd Portsmouth and King Clearwater, and they're two of our male survivors here in New Zealand. And uh, this is the second in our series, guys, so be, um, be very impressed. We do follow up. Um, so thank you for your comments after our last one and Todd very um, <clears throat> very adeptly picked up and has also been asked himself about how how do we support survivors that start to speak? Uh, you know what what should we say, what should we not say? And I think that's a topic we're going to address. The other is our justice system here in New Zealand. Uh, for those watching across the world, there'll be some takeaways for you simply because the three of us have quite diverse stories, actually, uh, in terms of outcomes for us, um, either going through the court system, being turned down by the court system, or um, just not even having to attend. So... I think there'll be some useful things in there for you. And again, as with every other show, please, if you feel triggered, please stop watching, go to the show notes below and you'll be guided there for some resource and support. So welcome, my fellow survivors. Thank you. Thank you. I'd just like to say too, before we start, Gloria, is that just want to acknowledge all the survivors from... Um, Dilworth School here in New Zealand from the Anglican School, those who have come forward, and of course there'll be probably another 130, 40, if not more, who haven't come forward. So just acknowledge the bravery of those that have come forward and let them know that um, that we're there for them. I think that would be um, so good luck for the guys and, um, and our thoughts and uh, are with you. Yeah. Fantastic point. And, uh, and on that note, I was fortunate to have Neil Harding on the show the other day. So when that is um, organised, that will be up on the channel. And he, as we know, team is leading the class action um, for Dilworth. So, yeah, we, our heart is with you guys. It's, um, it's tough. Um, yeah, Todd, over yeah. to you. Yeah, so... I mean, look, I would say to those guys too, you know, be, be kind to yourselves in this process. Um, make make sure that you're, you're surrounded by good people that um, actually support you and your needs are being met. Um, you know, in all of that, it can be, you can be surrounded by people, but it can be a really lonely experience because it's very hard to talk about what you're going through because you think other people don't know what you're going through, what you're experiencing. And while every story is different and every um, process you go through, everyone's experience is slightly different. Um, there's a lot of similarities in amongst all of that. And just know that there are people, you know, like myself, like Ken, like Gloria, who, who are out here and, and willing to talk and willing to be that ear um, or that support if that's what you guys need. Um, yeah, um, look, I'm really excited about about the show. I think there's a lot we can cover off and help help with. Um, but yeah, that's we'll just see where it goes, I guess, and and go from there. Awesome. Yeah. So, um, I, what what would you like to start with today, team? Should we look at? Um, well, actually, maybe it is good to start with how to support others. Um, 
that that are finding their voice for perhaps the first time. Mm. What what's sure. your thinking? We we spoke about just before we came on here. Um, Todd talked about the the importance of of having having support, but also I think what happens most people if someone discloses to them, uh, whether it's a friend or a family member, they freak out straight away because oh how how do I how do I deal with this? And the important thing is you don't have to deal with it. What you need to do is just listen. That person's giving you um, an intimate part of of their truth and just acknowledge them for that. And um, what we've done in the past is, is often said, so, so do you want some help? Um, and sometimes they, all they want is just to talk. But if you, and, and of course, the person who's receiving this, who, does, who freaks out, usually think that they have to have the answer for the problem, and you don't. You just have to have a kind heart and say that you're there to support that person if they need it. And say, look, you know, do you want me to have a look at this services or something available? And um, and, th- and let the survivor guide it because it's the survivor's the, the survivor's journey. Where sometimes we we get into a place where we think it's our our journey to solve um, what's going on. And if if you're a partner or a caregiver, and it's important that you get support as well, um, because this stuff it is pretty heavy, and it's about um, about. How do you react to it and, and what support are you getting because you can't do it on your own? And I remember I used to do with a, some guys coming for the first time with their wives or their partners. And um, and I would just say to the wife, um, does does he do this? Is he moody? Um, does he get angry? Does he put his fist through the wall? And does he storm out of the room like a spoiled child? And, and they'll go, yes, that's exactly what he does. Was all that. That's a natural response for some of our guys. We just shut down and go back into that that childlike behavior and i usually say to the partner if he does that give me a ring and i'll come around and and kick him in the bum but it it is it's about acknowledging that those behaviors are not your fault as the partner or the parent or the caregiver those behaviors belong to the survivor and it's about how do you help them through those those behaviors yeah Um, look I, i would agree to um, what you're saying, Ken, I think, um, look, for me, I think if someone is prepared to talk to you and open up, that's an absolute honour and it, it's a real privilege that someone's trusted you enough to actually uh, talk and, and to open up to you in that regard. Um, as such, you don't have to know any answers at all. You don't need to do anything like that. Um, I mean, I can talk from my own experience, like, when this was all happening for me, I didn't actually want to be touched. I didn't want to be hugged. And um, a lot of people kind of pushed that trigger too much with me. Um, And that wasn't something that I was needing. I just wanted someone to actually hear my voice because I was at a stage where I had kept it inside for that long. I just wanted to actually be heard. Um, So I think that that's probably the key. The second thing is just to look at it and go, yep, Anyone that's talking about childhood sexual abuse is, is, and it's happened to them, has been damaged in a lot of different ways. It doesn't mean they're broken and destroyed completely. It just means that how they handle things or how they perceive things is different than how someone who hasn't experienced that. 
and just like you were touching on, King, you know, like with guys especially, there's a lot of anger and frustration and, and we don't know how to deal with that. Um, so, you know, first and foremost, I, I guess, if you're the partner or a family member or a friend, you know, you need to be able to keep yourself safe as well um, and don't put yourself in a situation where um, it could get out of hand or, or get nasty like that. Like no one needs to be subjected to that regardless and it doesn't, just because someone's displaying that because of what they've been through, it doesn't excuse that behaviour. They have to learn a way around that behaviour that actually, no, this isn't this isn't right, this isn't me, and find a different way to voice or express those frustrations. Um, and, and I guess, you know, is just making sure that um, if you're that support person or, or whatever that, you know, just treat it with confidence. Don't don't go rushing out and going, oh, I need to go tell this to Joe Bloggs down the road because he'll be able to help. The minute you do that, you're actually breaking the confidence of that person who's actually opened up to you. Um, and I would suggest actually just sit on it and just see what that person wants to do. Um, like Ken suggested, you know, let the, the survivor drive it. And I think that's probably the key to it is at the end of the day, it's their story that they're telling you that's gone on their lives. And, you know, if you force someone to say, go to the police or whatever, and that's not what they want to do, then, you know, you're actually pushing them away. You're not, you're not actually encouraging them to just be open and be real. Um, that's my view. I don't know how you guys see it, but that's kind of how I see it. Um, yeah. yeah. I think uh, one of the things um, <clears throat> that, that you're saying, and, and I, I really like, like what you've just said there, Todd, it's got to be survivor-led. Why? Because as children, we weren't leading anything. We were subjected to. So I think to feel part of our healing is to take charge of, and if that means how we speak or how we share our story or who we share it with, that has to stay with us. We've got to find a way to gain some power back. Yeah. I wondered about a simple thing. Um, I think I even came up with this myself, but it was simply to <coughs> thank the person. Thank you for trusting me. I'd love to hear more. Yep. Because... Oh, sorry, go on. Yeah. It's such a huge leap of faith and courage to find those initial words. And uh, man, just, just to be thanked. Thank you so much for sharing this. You know, and, and it's not your story to tell, it's their story to tell. So, you know, e even though it could feel like a load to carry, just remember for people wanting to support out there, it's not your story to tell. No matter how heavy the load, it's not your story to tell. So please, so much of what happens to us as survivors is that we were betrayed. Would you agree, guys? It's the yeah. biggest, biggest betrayal. And, uh, and then if we then find the courage to speak as adults, and someone goes and tells someone out there's another betrayal. Yeah, something like, like yeah, I, I still struggle with some of that to this day. Um, you know, I just said to my wife just this last week, actually, like, um, 
I've discovered one of my triggers is actually not being listened to, um, which is funny enough because I think that stems for a lot of us. We didn't have a voice, and when we do, we actually want to be able to use it. And, um, you know, I, I really struggled with it. It was really frustrating that, hang on, I'm not being heard or not articulating this clearly enough that people are hearing what I'm saying. And that, that was just around work-related sort of stuff. So it was nothing heavy or anything like that. It was just, I just felt like my voice actually wasn't being heard. And we're going through a lot of changes here and in, in negotiating and stuff. And, you know, this, this conversation should have been taking place in February, not now when we're three weeks away from carving starting. And so there was those sort of things. And, and I do think, you know, like it's kind of, you've, you've got to just be mindful of the fact of what you're being shared is something that is incredibly hurtful and deep with that person who's actually opening up and saying that. And that's the thing that you need to handle that like it's a precious, precious little gem and actually just think about, wow, you know, like they chose me to actually open up and say that to um, and just respect that. And, and if you do that, um, look, you know, you're going to be a, a trustworthy sort of person that that survivor is going to feel man, if this gets too heavy and I become suicidal or, or, or struggling with mental well-being or whatever, I can actually talk to that person because I could trust them. And there's not many people in life that we find that we can actually open up and trust in that regard. And, and of course, one of the most difficult things is that uh, your, your average survivor, whether you're male or female, I've carried this stuff for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. Yeah. And so it's going to take that 20, 30, 40, 50 years to work, to, to work through it. So it's not something that happens overnight. And, and you can get some people with a really good heart will start giving advice to the survivor. <laughs> and that can become, you know, like I remember right at the beginning, people would say, oh, well, the first thing you've got to do is forgive that person. Well, I wasn't ready to forgive that person. So does that mean if I don't forgive that person at that moment in time, then I'm not going to be healed? Um, so there's just simple things like that. Forgive and forget is, is great, but that's a journey that the survivor has to go through, not people to say, look, you need to forgive and forget and move on and, and things like that, because that can be a common thing for people to say, and that can be really damaging. So it is important not, not to give advice and, and just... Um, just to say you're there for the person and what do they need? How can you help them? 100%. I think another another thing that I learned um, I, after interviewing Perry Power, he was a male survivor recently um, that I had on the show, and he, he had this little um, theory he um, subscribes to, and I love it. He said, don't just tell someone for the sake of it, Make sure you've told yourself at least 15 times before then. And he said there's many ways of doing it. You know, you could write it out. You could do some painting or some sculpting or do some martial arts, having the focus of I'm releasing this from me. This happened to me. It should never have happened. He said it doesn't matter how it occurs, whatever you choose, but tell yourself many times over so that by the time you come to voice it, um, you're confident in case someone says, well, no, that never happened to me. How could that have happened to you? Are you sure you've got it right? <laughs> Which can can be said. So, 
Yeah. What Todd mentioned earlier on too, the important thing is we're all different. Um, the effects of what happened to us can be similar. Um, but what you know, what the, the, the environment and everything that happens in different so so each person has, has is going to have a different way of dealing with it, and and what worked for me might not work for Todd, um, but something else that Todd's tried might work for me, and things like that. So so those are important things. There's no um, there's no model that actually fits each and every one of us. We've, we in a way we have to find what fits with, but it's good to hear from other survivors and, and what their journey's been like, what they've done. Um, and like you said, Gloria, whether it's writing, whether it's doing art, whether it's playing a guitar or, or, or martial arts of some kind, um, something like that. Whereas, um, you know, someone's not going to do martial arts and you say, well, look, I did martial arts and all boxing and that really helped me. And they might look and think, well, actually, I'm not, I'm not interested in, in those sorts of things. So, so it's about saying that worked for me that doesn't mean you have to try it, but, you know, that's, and that's the important thing. Yeah, I mean, in my journey, one of the most frustrating things I found going through therapy and stuff, for instance, was I wanted to talk, I wanted to let it out, and I just wanted it gone, you know, like, um, but a lot of people probably don't realise this either, but with most therapists, um they will only let you talk about so much at a time and they liken it to a bottle of Coke with a Mentos in it because if you get too overwhelmed and too much is coming out, you you might find yourself in a situation or a place where there's not a lot of stopping and coming back and seeing, well, how, how did I get to there? And I found it really frustrating because... I was keep being told, oh, that's enough, that's enough. And I'm like, well, we only just started. Like, <laughs> I need to get this out. And that's one of those things that, um, you know, I, I understand why they do it. It's about keeping you safe and that sort of thing. But but there is a point where you get to where you actually are prepared to talk and that's what you want to do is just talk and if someone actually just listen, we can go back and analyse all of that later, but just yeah. listen to what I'm saying to start with. And yeah. And that's where, like, for me, Ken, that was something you were absolutely brilliant with, was I didn't feel like, oh, time's running out, I have to stop now. It was just spit it out and let's go because, um, you know, I remember being that overwhelmed with things and, and a boss of, at, at the time told me just, oh, just harden up a bit and, and just focus on your work, it'll be right. And that was yeah. the worst thing to say to me, like, that was like, no, this is how I've dealt with this all these years is poured into work. And that didn't make it go away. It didn't make it better. Um, you know, so everyone is completely different. There's some people just want to sleep and just want to bury the heat under the blankets. And that's how they deal with it. Whereas I'm a, me personally, I'm, I'm someone who'd rather put it out in the open and deal with it face to face and, because to me, that's the only way I can deal with it is I can't do it where it's in secret or it's hidden or any of that because that's what happened. It was in secret. It was yeah. hidden. Yeah. I want that out in the light, you know, yeah. And but not everyone is like that. And look, I've, I've had a number of different people. Um, I remember sitting down and there was a group of four of us guys in this room and every single one of us had been sexually abused. I was the only one talking about it at the time. Um, and then these others just slowly opened up and came out and it was them and, and it had happened to them. And 
is like far out, you know, like we would never have known any of that except we trusted each other to be able to talk at that point. And, um, you know, some of those guys will, will never ever disclose that to police or family because they, they fear the retributions from family members and things from talking about it. But it doesn't mean it didn't happen and it wasn't real for them. And it doesn't mean that they haven't struggled through life and still struggle now. And some of them actually you know, dealt with it and, and gone gone forward with it, which is really awesome. But every single person deals with it in a different way. And and I think Todd, Todd you know, um, like my, mine was by a stranger at that an orderly at, a, at the hospital. Um, but if it's happened within your whānau and or your family, it, it makes it that, that that's a double edged sword as well because people say, oh, you can't bring it out because you'll bring shame on the family. Well, hello, I'm the victim here. I'm not the perpetrator. But, you know, so it breaks up, it can break up families. And, and so people really need that support to go through that stuff. And the reason I let you talk like you did at the time when I was meeting up with you, Cobb, is because you were supplying me with tea and cookies. Well, I figured that was the case. But, um, <laughs> look, you, you just hit the nail on the head with your comment about the family thing. Um bringing shame on the family. That was something that got thrown at me. And I was like, I actually don't care. If if you're prepared to stand there and call that family that allows that to carry on and happen, not do anything, then you're not my family. It's as simple as that. Like um, I've got members in my family who are not blood and uh, my family. Um, I have members that are supposedly my family who are blood and they're not anything like family. Um, and I think that's probably the thing is, is you've got to work out for yourself. You're prepared to, to face up to those sort of things because they do come at you. They do get thrown at you and you've got to be able to stick to your guns and say, actually, no, because I actually matter enough that I'm actually saying that this is real and this is what went on. And I'm not asking you to choose sides here. I'm just being honest that this is how it's happened. And Um, you know, and I think deep down with a lot of family and it, within those whanau dynamics is most people realise, you know, the minute you start talking, it starts ringing some bells and they're going, oh, oh, yeah. And, but no one's actually had the courage to voice it or to say anything. There's always something being a bit off or whatever. So you'll be surprised what comes out, to be honest. Um I, th- I think the yeah, there, there's a whole, uh, you know. I think as you said earlier, Ken, the way we manage it is completely different for all of us. One size does not fit all, and I, I know in my case, I had an auntie say to me, "Do you really need to talk about it? Do you really mm. need to keep talking about it?" Like I was the person in the wrong, and that's mm. how they ensure the secrecy and the silence yeah. is kept. And the blame. And the blame, all of that. But look. Um, I think really, you know, really the whole point for our fabulous audience out there, and hopefully some of you deal with survivors, our hearts are with you, is that these, here's, that's just a couple of options for you to consider. If you find your voice, if you feel comfortable to, you know, choose wisely who you share that with. Um, there's, there's a team of people around you. There's people like us out there trying to help and our the best way we can, um, and you're not alone. You're completely believed, and we stand beside you. Um, 
so I guess, um, guys, are you happy if we move on to our justice system? Can we? Yeah, have have we got one? <laughs> oh, I like that. Yeah, come on, Ken's firing today. <laughs> Ken, would you like to start? <laughs> uh, well, I, I mean, I, once again, it's like um, the, the abuse that happened to me is, was back in 1965. So there was no qualified police officers or anything back then. There was no specialist courts or, or the, and there were no services whatsoever. So, so for me, um, when I went to the police station, my mum was there and she found out that I was being abused and the police had followed me and ended up back at the police station and they started interviewing me and then um, and they arrested Alan, the perpetrator, at the same time. They picked us up in two separate police cars and um, whatever the police officer did to, to Alan in, in the interview room, he just poked after they'd been interviewing me and I, I struggled with, um, with going through the interview. And I know that I would have struggled if I'd gone to court because Alan had been my friend, so to speak, and I didn't want to get him into trouble because he'd convinced me it was my fault. But fortunately, the um, officer poked his head in the door and said, um, you don't have to interview the lad anymore. He's confessed to everything. So Alan was convicted and, and, and sent to Borstal and Invercargill. And um, so I didn't have to go through a court case. Um, so I, I just... Um, I can't even think of how how hard, how traumatic that would be um, because you've got to convince these people what happened to you when you know what happened to you. So in a lot of ways, um, I was lucky I never had to experience that. And I look back, and the way the police looked after me back then, considering they had no training or anything, was really incredible. And, um, and so I was just really, really fortunate. So I haven't had to go through the system but with the guys from St John of God um, I went through two three-week trials with those guys and it's just um, it's inhuman and it's wrong and um, uh, ha ha it just we should have specialist courts with people who who know what they're doing and, um, and how to deal with victims of sexual trauma and that includes judges and lawyers on both sides um, need to have training in this work because um, they've got no they've no understanding of sexual trauma or the damage that it does to the individual. So um, that's my five cents worth. Yeah, so you're really talking trauma-informed and and we need this to start happening in our country, I suspect, um, Todd, don't we? We need to have people who are trauma-informed dealing with this because this is huge, guys. When we're in front of police, we start to feel like that child again because we're revisiting scenes and incidents from those years so the I think there's a little myth out there that we're adults and we're dealing with all of this beautifully and aren't we great taking it to court but what they may not realize is actually in those moments we're the child again um yeah yeah um look the the justice system right so the the video interviews um, I bother really hard, and, and don't get me wrong, it's not an easy thing to do at all. Um, I was really lucky um, that the interviewer I had was was incredibly compassionate. Um, I felt really supported in there in the fact of I could just say it in my own words. Um, 
in my own way. Um, you know, I touched on a little bit last time I, I was talking about um, dissociation and stuff, and and I'm quite. I feel like I was quite lucky in that regard because my um, my memory around things like to be able to draw pictures of exact houses, how it was inside, right down to little wee things that when the police checked um, and did their interviews and things, they were absolutely blown away as to the clarity I'd been able to do all of that in. Now, you've got to bear in mind, this was my four four-year-old to 15-year-old brain that was doing all that, but as an adult, and I had no idea I'd retained all that. I couldn't believe half the stuff that had come out uh, myself, like how clear it was. Um, so I was really lucky in that. It, it was after that where I really struggled because I had no one around me at that point, um, you know, in, in terms of to deal with the aftermath of it. Um but then when you get onto the actual process and it is so slow and it is so drawn out and you start questioning, what like, does it not matter? Like, how come this is taking so long? Um, you know, like there's that side of it. Um, I got passed from detective to detective um, because it was historical, it was put on the back burner um, because obviously current stuff took quite a precedent over it. So I kind of under I definitely understand that side, you know, like they need to be dealing with that sort of stuff. But I think to be fair, like to the police, is the lack of numbers and the lack of training around all of that has really led to a big struggle within that. Then what most people don't realise is they're only allowed to work in those units for a couple of years and then they have to get taken out because of the trauma that they're exposed to by dealing with it. Now we, on the other hand, who have experienced that trauma, have to just suck it up and deal with it because that's just how it is um, while you're going through that process. Then when you get to the courts, um, I was absolutely blown away and I, I would be absolutely put on record for saying this, that the people that um, I went through Wellington courts um, and the support people there were outstanding absolutely outstanding um they were constant like the minute it started going through that court process they were ringing me every week they kept me updated on everything where it was tracking um how i was doing was there anything i needed um what support did i need in place um we obviously because i'm in down here in the south island um i'm, I'm about 40 minutes out of christchurch um, so Wellington was, was not a place I enjoyed being. That's where a lot of abuse happened to me. Um, so like we had put in plan everything in place before I ever got there. Um, I got shown around the courtrooms in Christchurch and was sort of told, oh, it's a mirror image down here. Well, it's not, it's completely different. Um, so, but those were really useful to actually go and look through the courtrooms and things before that process. So you kind of get an understanding, um, for me, sitting in the court, and I remember doing this with my wife who'd come on to support me, and I just started crying. Like, I wasn't even doing anything apart from sitting there where I would have to sit in court and give my evidence, and the emotional side of it was just really overwhelming for me. Um, but in saying that, there's the judge side of things are very... Um, 
don't even know the quite to find the right words really, but they're quite abrupt in how they deal with things because that's the legality side of it, I suppose, that comes across. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that there's a lot of understanding as to what it is people go through. And, and I guess that's the problem with it is you're having to repeat things over and over. And that's not an easy way. I do know that there is some changes coming through or being pushed to go through to help survivors where they share um, in court and they're going through that, that sort of process. Um, you know, there was there's the likes of screams and, and stuff like that, which is, you know, yeah, I, I sort of got told my video interview would be used as my evidence, but that's not really how it is at all, is your video evidence form interview forms part of your evidence, but you still actually have to testify to that video evidence, which means you either do that in court behind a screen or without a screen or you can go into a room and do it in a separate room via video link um, however you find easier for you but you're still actually having to physically re-watch that and be re-traumatised through all that as well so that is something to be really mindful of I guess um, but that's kind of where I'm at with it um, I do think there needs to be a big shake up in that whole system yeah. I do think there's not enough understanding around it as to what it puts a, a survivor through to go through that process. Yeah. And thank you for that. I, I um, Were you just going to say something, Ken? No, 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 no. I'm just agreeing with, with Todd. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's huge. And look, guys, as we know, you both know my story. You've read it. Um, but it took a lot of courage for me to um, be interviewed by the police 30 years ago around this and uh, for them to do their due diligence there were seven detectives on the case Um, they came up with things but they just didn't have what they call enough in terms of a burden of proof a burden of proof was not met they were at pains to point out it didn't mean I, I wasn't believed it just meant they didn't have enough so fast track another 30 years and you've got Gloria sitting here and I'm thinking, right, I feel really confident. I feel really strong. Uh, one of the detectives had said to me, you could always open a case against, you know, your brother and his friends um, because, you know, it's separate. My father's passed, but that could be something. So I'm all set to do that. And I get told by two detectives last week, oh, that isn't possible. Um, so I pushed back very nicely and said, hmm, who's telling me that? And uh, it turns out there's a detective inspector, two ranks above. So I asked for a meeting, which is why your uh, friend sitting above you on the screen, Todd, um, very kindly offered to come up and be my advocate. So he came up with me Um, and we met with the decision maker. I just wanted to eyeball the decision maker, Todd. (laughs) And um, and he said, look, it's it's a no, because one of the people who a lot of the evidence had come from had been a hypnotist who was not registered at the time. So because a lot of what I'd started sharing had been with several therapists over many years, the one that I had begun with was this, and that is part of the evidence. So 
they said they couldn't use it. So anyway, we um, I felt we had a good reception there, Ken. Uh, they were very clear about what they couldn't do. And as we know, um, no is a definite maybe. So we, you know, I kept kind of challenging. And in the end, they had an understanding of, I guess I just wanted them to see this is a survivor. I'm not a number. This has taken me enormous amounts of courage to front you again, to then be told again, you cannot proceed. And we have at least three pedophiles walking. Um, and that actually, if the stats are to be believed, guys, there's only 6% of um, survivors that come forward to the police and only 2.8% that get a conviction. So my response to them is, this system is not working. <laughs> it's broken. Yeah. Well, I think the challenging part um, in all of that for, for you, especially Gloria, is probably confronting it yet again, like to be yeah. told no, like that's yeah. got to be some gut-wrenching and heartbreak right there. Um, I, I really feel for you. I really do. Um, I know your story and makes me pretty angry, to be fair, and pretty frustrated that that's where it's at. I, oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Just thank you, Todd. That's lovely. Well, look, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, it's with me out of left field. Everyone's finding out about this at the same time as me. But, um, yeah, it, it shouldn't be like this. And no. it just is wrong. Like, it's so wrong. And personally, I think the reason why the conviction rate is so low and the, the case number so low is because of the fact that if we said that this stuff happened when we were three or four or five years old, no one was going to believe a little kid at that point in time. That's just, you know, so it doesn't. And it takes a long time for it to come out as an adult. And then it's because it's historical, it's a lot harder to prove. And, yeah. you know, like you're saying about the burden of, of proof. proof or the evidence that they need. Um, what an absolute joke, eh? What, what a joke. Like, why as an adult are you going to come out and say, well, this happened? Yeah. And me knowing your story, no one in their right mind is going to say that that stuff happened to them for no reason because you gain absolutely nothing from doing it, you know? Um, oh, that's just heartbreak. But, oh, yeah, it's a bit emotional. Sorry, Glory. But, it, um, yeah, oh, I do feel lovely. for you. I really do. Um, yeah. It was, good to, me going now. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was good to be in the room because um, yeah, Gloria, what, what amazed me, she held herself so well. And um, and I think it gave that officer, or both, uh, the, the young officer who's been dealing with the case is brilliant and the, the officer in charge of the case. I mean, he I think he was blown out of the water as well, that, that Gloria was there to, to look him straight in the eye and say, I'm not, I'm not accepting your decision. And um, I need to know why you've made that decision. And um, once again, it goes back to that that court system. And you know, like how, how many kids do come forward? You don't come forward as a kid. It's only when you're an adult. And and we know that um, from research that for, for men on average, I think I think the latest research was men are in their fifties sometimes before they even come out. 
and, and out of that, it's the percentage that never, ever, males and females who never, ever share their stories because of the difficulties that, that we face. And um, what, what I will say, what the, the, the two cases we had with the St John of God boys was that both the judges were absolutely amazing. They could read that the guys were struggling and they let them have as much time off as they wanted. But that doesn't change the actual legal system in, um, in that, that proof, so to speak, you know, and um, that's the difficult part. And like you said, Todd, um, who in their right mind wants to make this stuff up? I mean, this is just, um, you know, it's hard enough sharing your story without someone saying, well, are you sure that happened to you? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I just think like, you know, like Gloria, like it is an honour to know you and to know your story, and and I guess that's the devastating side of it is you're just a number, um, you're just a number, you know. How many other people are getting told no as well that we, you know, we'll never know the true numbers of them, um, who are coming forward. Oh, there's not enough. I mean, I unfortunately, um had personal experience with some very close family members of mine who have been told no as well. Like, even though there was evidence there, there wasn't enough that they felt they wouldn't be able to put it over the line. And that was absolutely heartbreaking for them as well. Um, and, and they're still dealing with that now. Um, so you're not alone in that. And that's a scary thing is you're not, you're just a number and that's what makes this so difficult because you're not actually a number. You're Gloria Masters and you do matter. And this is real and it should be taken seriously. Like like you said, these three pedophiles walking away mm-hmm. who get nothing. The reality what? is... Sorry, Todd. Yeah, the reality is they go before the courts and probably get nothing too. But I'm just saying, like, it, none of it is fear and it's not... It's not you as the survivor or, or a victim, however people see themselves. It is not your fault when the police say, look, we can't do this. We can't take it. There's not enough evidence. In my view, they should be saying, right, we need to get out there and find the evidence and back that evidence up to that. And, and then they might get somewhere with it, you know, because I would almost guarantee that you're not the only victim from those pedophiles there will be others out there they don't just do it to one person and walk away you know we know this Mm. um generally speaking they will have done it to others or there would have been some sort of evidence there that they just got to be brave enough to actually go you know what this person has been brave coming forward let's support them and see what we can actually do yeah and i agree with you and i think that's that's kind of what ken saw yesterday too was I didn't know if they would change their minds. It was unlikely. But all I wanted was to eyeball these decision makers because you tell me to my face, like, you know. Um, and and he did change, didn't he, Ken, throughout? That's what I was going to say before. The, oh. the power of, of yesterday for me, Gloria, was you were one, one um, detective's file notes. That's all you were when that senior detective read through your file notes that was just somebody in file notes yesterday you put a human being to it and he he completely changed by the end of the day even though he couldn't change the system he changed and understood why you were angry about what was happening and I think to give him that 
that yesterday was was really valuable training for him as a, as a senior officer as mm-hmm. well because he wouldn't get that you don't get that training in college and he got mm-hmm. it from you so that was that was valuable thank you and uh, Todd you would have been um, really proud of me too because and sorry survivors out there but this is all good learning for you guys too. <laughs> um, <laughs> Because what I did was he said, well, no, that's just what you think might have happened. He was playing devil's advocate, the decision maker. And I said, well, answer me this then. Why have I completely given up my life to do this work and serve this purpose? Mm. Why would I be doing this work, guys, for nothing, for no pay, nothing, and change my whole life for this? Yeah, look... I actually just think that's a gutless cop-out that he's come up with there, to be honest. I really do. Um, you know, like I've said this to you before, I'm an ace is an ace of spades a spade, and I probably would have told him it slightly different than what I'm saying right now. Um, because <laughs> You're safe here, Todd. That's, that's, line, why we, that's why we left you on the farm, Todd. Yeah, well, that's kind of the analogy I would have used, too. It was another load of bull. Yeah, but um, look, I, I just think that... For, for some of them, it goes in the too hard basket, you know. Like for them to say, "Oh, that you know, that's your take on what's happened," doesn't mean it has. Um, in effect, that's saying, "Well, you're actually a liar," um, or "We don't believe this has happened." Um, that's actually really wrong, and I, I hope you schooled them on that. And by the sounds of it, you have anyway. But because that, that's the wrong attitude for them to be taking in the first place. Um, but Ken, you're absolutely right. They don't get this training at police college. They don't get this training um, around any of that until they they take it away from just being a number and it becoming a person. Then you're dealing with the real deal. You're not dealing with the, what's just on a piece of paper. It means nothing. You meet that person or you have human contact with that person, it becomes real all of a sudden and it changes everything. Um you know, I know, like, like just with my own, um, you know, when I shared my video interview or did my video interview, you know, I had the detective. I mean, I went through two eight-hour video interviews because of obviously how complex and stuff mine involved. But the male detective was in tears, and he walked into the room, and tears were streaming down his face. Now, this is a guy who deals with this on a day-to-day basis, and he didn't know how to deal with it. And he said, "We don't." we don't get training to deal with this. We don't know like what's going to come out and, you know, and, and they had an absolute interest like these people once they sort of knew and they knew, man, you know, like I actually had enough evidence to proceed. Um, they just wanted him to, to pay for it and be held accountable. And those same detectives actually followed it through who actually got it and met me in person and, and saw the effect it had had on my life, much like yourself, um, because I wasn't a number anymore. I wasn't just a piece of paper. I was Todd, and this, you know, that, that's how I think it should be. I don't think it should just be handed up the ranks to someone and show them a piece of paper on a file when they make a call. Actually, meet with them face to face would be a good start. Um, I, wouldn't you suggest that that would be a better way of doing it? I think I think the and, and you know and even Gloria looked at me yesterday when I said a couple of things because she thought, "Oh, hold on a minute, Ken, you were on their side." Yeah, shut I up. Ken. Gonna, 
I thought she was going to poke me in the eye. But what you've got to remember is the police are dealing with a case, so they're not actually dealing with a human being at this stage. They're dealing with a case where they have to get enough evidence to come forward to go into the legal system. So it's actually the legal system. So those cops have to get that, um, that, that which is you, uh, into that into that system for them to get to get accepted and, and enough to take it to court. But even then, knowing that even if they get it to court, you might not get a um, a, a conviction out of it. And that, so so their, their job is really difficult, and that's that that aspect. And it's about how do, how does that change? You know, and I'm not sure. But we're talking about a we're talking about a patriarchal system that's been going on for hundreds of years, where children were chattels. And that's all we are when we go into that court system. We're just a chattel in a patriarchal system, whether you're male or a female. So, um, so those are the things, the things that we're up against in that system. Hey, so what you're saying in regards to that is kind of like you know, children should be seen and not heard. Yep. Is yep. They would be. And, they would. They would be happy if that happened. Oh, yeah. hey, if we all just went away and disappeared. But I, I do have to be fair. Um, a couple of things. One is, they, Todd, they were being devil's advocate. They were saying to me, look, this is what the defence would throw at you. So some of the comments that they were just checking to see how I would respond uh, should those comments be thrown at me and they were testing me. Um, I, I didn't enjoy it. I didn't like it at all and I made that clear. Um, but, well, I did, but, and also as Ken said to me later, look, Gloria, there, you imagine how these guys now feel. There's a face to the name. You've managed to, to influence. They're not going to forget this. And equally, they, they must feel really bad that they can't yeah. get a conviction because they're just, what would you say? Would they just be the tools that, Yep. in the process the tools within the process yeah oh they, they absolutely are and i mean yeah that, that's the that's the sad reality is, is yeah. they're just doing their job and they've been honest i guess in that regard but to me there's still another side is you know don't just shut it down based on that file like just what's written in the file mm -hmm. actually do some looking into it and see what comes up because you know, in your case, Gloria, 30, 30 more years, is it, since you last went? Yep. Imagine if they went in and re-interviewed some of those people, whether these stories would be a little bit different now mm. to how it was 30 years ago. Just saying, like guilt and everything else comes in, or yep. Yep. They, they're not so good at bullshitting, you know, nowadays as they were 30 years ago, maybe. I just think they shouldn't knock it just based off a piece of paper, a file, you know? like We have um, suggested that to them. Yeah, I'm sure it was. I um, did. I said, follow them. I think uh, Ken and I are going to set up a, a um, detective agency and go snooping. But I think one of the important things for those out there, listen, don't let this put you off. Yeah, this is really, really important that if you, you know, to take it through, but just make sure you've got the right supports uh, around you. That's, yeah. that's the ultimate. That's the, uh, if that's the gem that we can give you. It's about those supports, whether you're um, a, a supporter of a survivor or you're a survivor, if you need to go through the process, um, learn about the process. That's, that's really important. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And get yeah. Those be, be be prepared, I, I guess. Like we're just being honest. I, 
all, all of us as to our own experiences and, and how it's been and, and certainly don't want to put anyone off at all like yeah. um no, not even close to that um no. you know I, I guess you know you just have to be aware of how the system works and in yep. the machine that runs it um you know look to me one one went through the court process it got right to the day before the trial and he decided to do a plea deal and that's completely out of me as a survivor's hand I don't get a say in it um that's between the crown who are not your lawyer as the the victim or survivor they're actually acting on behalf of the court um that, that's who they work for they don't work for you at all um and if they decide no let's take that let's save some time or you know that's as good as it's going to get that's what happens and that kind of came a bit out of left field, to be fair for me. Um, yeah. I mean, look, I still got the result, and I still know that forever his name is is now on on that list of of he's done it again. Um, unfortunately, the the, the two women um, and the two other guys that abused me have all passed, so they can't be held to account for their end. But it doesn't change the fact that if they had been, I'd have been prepared to do it for them too. So you've just got to look at it for yourself, I guess, as to what's right for you. Yeah. And sometimes it's not going to be right for you to go to the police and do it. It may just not fit and it may not suit for you that that's what you need to do for you. Um, and be kind to yourself and all of that because it's not easy as Gloria's, you know, found for herself. And, and Ken, you know, he didn't need to go through that process as such. So he was saved that because the guy chose to plead guilty at the start. Um, in my case, you know, he, he denied it had happened, but he denied it with all the others too And until years later down the track and then he finally admits it. Um, whereas with me, that's the one thing I guess is different from mine versus the others. He'd done it too. Is I'm the first one he's actually admitted to doing it to in court um, because I'm pretty sure that he knew what he was up against, wasn't going to back down and, and be scared of him. Um, he, he couldn't answer to that. Like, he, he thought he'd been clever. And I was probably lucky in that regard that in my nature, um, in the fact that I'd spent a lot of time getting myself prepared and ready for it, was actually what ended up getting me those results. Um, so either way, I think just take it as do what's right for you. Make sure you have the support and the love around you because you're going to need it um, in whatever way you go. If you ever need to reach out, I'm only a phone call away or an email or whatever, and I know Ken's the same and absolutely Gloria is the same. Like, we're all here. Um, look, I'm sure if someone's partner or, you know, friend was struggling with what their friend or their partner's going through, these people like even my wife would talk to them in regards to what that side's like, you know like um, look, I'm lucky I have a real gem of a wife in that regard who just understands and is so supportive and even doing this, you know, just fully encourages it and you know hurt, there's a saying, hurt people hurt people, but you know what I'm a hurt person and I'd rather try and help people and, and try to resolve those things and and get through it that way. And that's kind of how it is for me. And these other two people, it's the same thing. We wouldn't be giving up our time to do this if we didn't think of the importance and how powerful it is to help others through this journey because someone helped us through it. It's as simple as that. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
Yeah. And you can't yeah. do it on our own. No. no. Well, well said, God. So I, I think we need to to wrap up. Um, but I just want to um just say a couple of things. Um so one is whatever choice you choose is the right one for you. And as we said at the beginning, one size doesn't fit all. It may be that you decide to take it for, forward and that's okay. And it may be that it works for you or that it doesn't. But just know this, you're always believed. You're believed by your survivor community. And, um, you know, we applaud whatever decision you make that is right for you. And, uh, you know, it's so important having, for instance, Ken there yesterday uh, with me was really powerful because it gave me the confidence to speak. And I think I surprised you a bit, Ken, with how... <laughs> well behaved. Well, I was, but I didn't stop. No, no, you didn't stop. <laughs> and uh, and anyway, and so that's really important. And as Todd says, you know, um, just having the support of people around you is is really powerful. So, is there any any last words from you too um, before we close out with the audience? No, just um, t to all the survivors out there, take exquisite care of yourself because you are valuable and you are important, and um, and we're here for you. Yeah, I'd just like to put out there, you do matter. Um, you are enough, you are, you are good enough, and, and you do deserve to be heard. Um, Gloria, proud of you, mate. Like, really am. And yeah, I wish the outcome was different for you. I really do. Um, but yeah, you know, look, this is what this is all about, isn't it? And even amongst ourselves, we're still going through these journeys and um, doing it together. Um, so yeah, just. Be kind to to yourself and just know that it is a process and you've got to trust yeah. the process. Um, yeah. But at the end of the day, look, there's, there's plenty of support out there for you. Um, I know, Glory, you put it at the bottom of these videos and things anyway so people can reach out. And, um, yeah, and, and don't be scared to comment on these videos either. Like if there's something you want us to talk about or, or our viewpoint on it, bring it up because we do look at the comments. Um I'm more than happy to to delve into those areas. Um, yeah, I mean, look, this is to, to help others. So, yeah, just go well um, and be kind to, to yourself, really. Um, yeah. So um, ju just as we're closing out, thank you so much to our fabulous um, panel here tonight. And, and just as we're closing out, guys, please do like, subscribe, and, and click on the bell for notifications. Why? Because every time we meet, we have a different conversation. And as you can see, we don't always know where it's going to lead, but we do believe that it will be of value to you um, because we've been through it. We're survivors ourselves. And, and finally, um, look after your beautiful selves. Uh, we see you. We stand with you. We believe you. <laughs>